Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we are speaking with Katie Lisnick, who is the Director of Cat Protection and Policy at the Humane Society of the United States. Katie is a frequent visitor on the Community Cats podcast, and we love to play the Jeopardy policy game. So Katie, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here again. So I get to spin the dial and we get to talk about what is going on legislatively around the country. For folks that maybe haven't heard our shows before, you can feel free to search Katie Lisnick's name at the communitycatspodcast.com and see the various shows that we have done already. And I think it's so great to be able to keep a watch out on what's going on around the country and maybe learn a few things too. So I'm going to spin the Jeopardy wheel. And the first state that comes up is Illinois. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, so it really is something you said just sort of triggered a thought. You know, legislation can move so quickly on one hand, and then on the other hand, it can be a slow, long, drawn-out process. So you can come at working on state legislation or ordinances from a variety of points of view and different sort of action steps. You could be involved from the get-go and really have an idea and bring it to fruition, or you might just hear about a bill like we talk about today that you want to jump on and lend your voice to, and, and all of it is needed. All of it is incredibly important. So hopefully some of the things you hear today are inspiring for your own state, or if you live in one of these states, you'll want to get involved and active on the issue. So Illinois, this is kind of an update. I think we might have chatted about Illinois before. This is the second year that they've actually had a bill to allow the spay-neuter fund. They have a state spay-neuter fund. And right now, the way the language is written, the state has the ability to use it on TNR programs. Folks with disability can be eligible to get the voucher. People on food stamps are eligible. And also adoptable animals are eligible. So the state has a lot of flexibility with how they use the funding that comes in through a variety of sources. Interestingly, the counties also get some of this money, but they are much more restricted in how they can use the funds. So they can only use the money for adoptable animals and then also folks on food stamps. So the bill that actually right now is on the governor's desk, it passed the Senate and it passed the House last week. That one actually allows the counties to do the exact same allotments as the state. So the counties would now be allowed to use the spay-neuter funding to go towards TNR, which would be a huge win uh, because right now there are several counties that want to use it for that and they cannot. So this was a bill that actually was active last year as well in the last session. And it got a lot of opposition from some wildlife groups, feeling like that TNR was ineffective, and and they opposed it at the last minute and derailed the bill. 
after that, a task force was created that got some wildlife folks and some animal sheltering folks and TNR folks together. They had listening sessions all over the state and heard from people about what they care about, about community cats, what they think money should be used for, where they think focus should be. And from that, the task force made a recommendation that this bill be passed. And I think that was what really got it over those last few humps in the state house this past week. So like I said, right now it's on the governor's desk and we anticipate hopefully that he is going to sign it and then the counties will be able to use the spay-neuter funding for TNR just like the state can. At this point in time, is there spay-neuter funding for owned pets or is there nothing in existence? There is. So right now, if you are on food stamps or you're on disability, then you're eligible to get a voucher through that program as well. So this is basically a statement that TNR is just as important as those populations of folks that have cats and have pets. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So they really are looking at like, where's the need? And I know working with the Spaniard program in Maine, you take a look at where the largest need is. And in many states, it really is on the community cat front, especially if folks are feeding a handful of cats in their backyard. They don't necessarily have tons of money just sitting around waiting to get those cats sterilized. So having that discounted rate can be really, really important for them. So we're going to move east a little bit and head into New York. New York is an interesting state for any of your (laughs) listeners who live there. The legislative session is long and things can be held over pretty easily. And you'll see bills that just hang around for years on end and never really move anywhere. There's a brand new bill that just got introduced last week. And we're coming up on the end of one kind of session break. So there's only about a week for this bill to do much of anything until it it then gets held over and and reviewed during the next session time. So I don't think anything will happen with this one, but it's an interesting example of how important language is. So this bill... The legislator behind it wanted to allow for TNR to not be considered abandonment. So it's modifying kind of the abandonment statute to say that, hey, if you're, you know, trapping a cat, vaccinating it, getting it sterilized and returning it back where you trapped it, then that's okay. That's permissible. That's an activity that's not going to have you run afoul of the state's cruelty code. And many states right now, the language is vague enough that you might interpret TNR to trigger that. And so we work, the HSUS tries to work on bills all over the country to make that appropriate change, that TNR is not a criminal activity. It's not a cruel act. It actually is a humane population management tool, and it should be defined as such. So this bill is an example of how language really matters, because when they defined TNR, they actually used the word abandon. So what they said was that if you trap a cat, vaccinate it, sterilize it, and re-abandon it, Hmm. then that is fine. (laughs) So, So right in the definition, they're actually saying that TNR is a crime because abandonment is a crime. So I don't think that that was their intent. I think it was just sort of like, hey... This is a term that's defined in statute. You know, we may as well use it and not really understanding the real mechanisms of how that was going to impact the work. So we have weighed in with that legislator, our state director in New York, 
is talking with them and we're keeping a really close eye on it because if the bill passed as is, that would be really bad. Hopefully, and this is what we always try to go into it with a believing the best of people. You know, we don't think that it's the intent of this legislator to do this. We think it's just an unfortunate language choice. So we're really hoping that either it can be amended or maybe the bill can just sit for now and something new can be redrafted for the next session. So it seems like there's a bit of a focus here on this abandonment issue, and it may feed into the wildlife issue too. If we can get the TNR protected, then that may help us in a way better partner with the folks that are concerned about wildlife issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. We see a lot of the challenges are around the abandonment statute, people not understanding what TNR is doing and the purpose of it and calling it abandonment. And then also how cats are defined in statute. Sometimes they are defined very clearly as a domestic animal. Sometimes it'll be only social cats are defined as domestic and feral cats are sort of left in limbo, a gray area of, well, what are they? Sometimes cats really aren't listed at all as a definition. And so you really can be challenged by some folks who start saying, well, feral cats are more like wildlife and maybe we should have a hunting season on them or they shouldn't be regulated by the anti-cruelty code. They should be regulated by fish and wildlife statutes and you can really become that slippery slope. So we try to go in and, and look at the statutes comprehensively in a state and see what needs to be changed to kind of tighten up the language and make sure that we are treating cats, they're all domestic cats regardless of their level of sociability, and make sure that that's actually reflected in statute language. If you like the Community Cats podcast and would like to help promote Community Cats in your state, then we need you. We're looking for a couple of people from each state to be Community Cats ambassadors. What do you get by being an ambassador? You'll be mailed a promo kit of items to use to help promote the show at any event that you attend in your state. If you don't attend many events, hey, that's okay too. Do you have a network of people that love community cats? You can help with emailing groups in your state to let them know about the CCP and offer them the benefit of community cat swag. The more we can spread the word about the show, the more we can do to help cats across the country. Please email Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com if you'd like to represent your state. Thank you. I want to hear from you what the Community Cats Podcast means to you. You can now leave a recorded testimonial on the Community Cats Podcast website and share your thoughts about the show. You can also ask questions, share show ideas, pretty much anything you want. Just go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on the testimonial link and record. You hear from me all of the time, and now I want to hear from you. Thank you. So it seems like a really positive model that you have might be coming out of Nevada. Yes. So that's another one where the language isn't perfect, but it's good enough. (laughs) So, and we see that a lot. Every single state, even if they are going with the same intent to protect TNR, the language looks a little different and that's okay. So this one originally started out as a more comprehensive bill allowing TNR. It kind of went a little bit more in detail about what TNR did. It defined community cat caregivers and defined the cats and the activity and provided a little bit more protection 
that language got stripped out in committee in favor of a, a more simple, just talking about that TNR is not abandonment. And so that one flew through. I mean, it went really, really quickly through the House and the Senate, or the Assembly, as they call it, in Nevada. And that one now is on the governor's desk for signing as well. So that was really exciting. And that one also, Nevada had some amazing progress this year. They actually are working on the ban on bestiality, and they also clarified their pets and hot cars language. So some really good stuff out of Nevada this year. That's great. That's excellent. And then for the folks that are more in our sheltering world, let's talk a little bit about New Hampshire. Yeah, New Hampshire was an interesting challenge this year. So right now, New Hampshire is one of only two states, New Hampshire and Kansas, where you can't, shelters can't adopt out cats that are positive for FIV, immunodeficiency virus, or FELV, feline leukemia. So if they test positive, the shelter essentially has to turn into a sanctuary for those cats and keep them for the rest of their lives or euthanize them because they can't adopt them, they can't transfer them out of their facility. So really, you know, not good options for a shelter to have to deal with a cat that is testing positive for either one of those diseases. So right now, Kansas is in the same boat, and we're working with the Department of Agriculture on a rule change there to make it allowable for shelters to adopt out or transfer those cats. And in New Hampshire, we kind of thought, hey, this is going to be a sure thing. This is going to be an easy lift because the state vet and the Department of Agriculture actually made the change within their budget provisions. And typically the budget is passed every year. There's not a lot of kerfuffle about agriculture stuff. And so we thought, hey, this will be a sure thing. Isn't this great that we already have all the support on the change? Well, we shouldn't have been so (laughs) cocky about this. New Hampshire had a whole host of budgetary issues, and the budget did not get passed this year. So they're still working on it. Unfortunately, because of some other controversial language in the agriculture budget, they stripped out the entire section. So it included our FIV, FELV provision, just because it was part of that overall package. So it was nothing to do with the purpose of or the intent of the language. There's no opposition to making this change. No one came out and said, no, we don't want to make that change. Everyone is in support of it. But because it was part of the agriculture budget package, the legislators stripped it out due to some other controversial stuff in it. So right now, we've kind of regrouped and they're putting together a conference committee, which is essentially some senators and some representatives to come together to try to agree on some language to move forward on the budget. And we're hopeful that we're going to be able to lobby that committee pretty hard to at least get the FIV, FELV provision put back in. Like I said, there was no opposition to it. Everyone was in support. It just was an unfortunate circumstance that it was part of that package that got removed. And we're really hopeful this upcoming week that we'll be able to get the conference committee to add that language back into the budget that they recommend. And what's the time frame on looking at that budget again? 
So they're going to be looking at it this week and next. I think kind of like the next two weeks, they're going to be in discussions. And the conference committee, at that point, it's the Senate and the House are already agreeing on it. So once the committee makes their recommendations, it should be pretty fast to then move back through the House and the Senate. So if people live in New Hampshire and you care about cat adoption and you don't want to see these cats just languishing in shelters or euthanized, then certainly calling and finding out about the conference committee, which will be posted on the New Hampshire legislature website and contacting them and letting them know that you'd like that provision put back in is going to be really vital. Switching a bit away from the states, let's talk about federal level stuff. There's the PAWS and PACT Acts. You want to talk about those for a few minutes? Yeah, so definitely there's some good companion animal related federal legislation this year. And Despite all the rigmarole and things happening in the in the federal government right now, both the PAWS and the PACT Acts have some really good momentum. I've been working more on the PAWS Act. The PACT Act is putting an actual felony cruelty component into federal law. So if you especially have something, an animal moving over state lines or something happening, say, an unfortunate bestiality case that's crossing state borders, then the federal act would be able to be triggered there. So it's not just within the state, it's kind of interstate. The PAWS Act is related to pets and domestic violence situations. So very similar to what we see in a lot of states where pets are allowed to be included in protection from abuse orders or restraining orders, or courts can order that the pets go to the victim to be protected. So now we're trying to get that at the federal level as well to provide those protections to the animals and to the victims in these cases. And also it would provide some federal funding to go to domestic violence shelters that wanted to include some housing for pets. And all of this is really to open up and make it more accessible for victims to bring their pets with them if they want to flee from a hazardous situation. And we, you know, there's so many cases horrible to read them and, and keep up on them, but cases where animals are victims to promote terror in the victim's mind or to keep control and hold over the victim. You know, you can't leave me or else I'm going to kill your cat. I'm going to do this to your dog and really used as pawns in a control game. So this would provide, as I said, funding and also really clarify the protections that pets are part of the family and they should be treated as such when there is domestic violence or child abuse or elder abuse happening in a household. So that bill has a lot of co-sponsors already. I think we're up to about 230 co-sponsors in the House, which is awesome. Wow. And several in the Senate as well. Right now, we're really focusing on some leadership, trying to get them to move the bill, and also some key Republican districts to really drive some calls to them, say, hey, we really want you on board with this. And hopefully, this will, will go really quickly and start moving through the process. The federal government's very complicated. There's numerous ways for the bill to move. And so we've been talking with bill sponsors to figure out the best path for it right now. So I don't know exactly what path it's going to take, but right now we're really focusing in on getting as many legislators as possible to sign on as co-sponsors and really show that high level of support. Wow, that's really exciting. We need good news at the federal level. So that's excellent. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So Katie, if folks are interested in finding out more about your work or what's going on at HSUS, how would they do that? 
there's several different ways. If you go to humanesociety.org and look up your state director, you can find your state director's contact information for your particular state. So if you want to get cued in on legislation that's happening, whether it's cat-related or any other animal, your state director is going to be really the one to reach out to. And you can also just email your state's name at humanesociety.org. So Nevada at humanesociety.org. And that'll get you to your state director as well. And on the cat side, if you go to animalsheltering.org, that is our website that's really focused on shelters and rescues and TNR organizations and animal care and control. So all of our resources on community cats and breed-specific legislation and pets and hot cars, all of that policy work lives there. If you have a specific question for me, you can always email cats, C-A-T-S, at humanesociety.org, and that'll come right to uh, myself and, and Danielle Bays, our cat team. Katie, this is great. And I wanted to share with our listeners that today is our 200th episode. And so, Katie, I'm just so happy that you were able to join me today in celebrating our 200th episode. And I want to thank our listeners so much for tuning in. It's a privilege and an honor for me to be able to do this. I love sharing all the great stories. Katie, I want to thank you so much. You are like a mentor to me and have been involved in this process since the beginning. So I want to thank you for all your efforts in helping finding guests on the show and suggesting ideas and doing our Policy Jeopardy show. Oh, thank you so much. I think of you as a mentor, so the feeling <laughs> is mutual. And this is, it's absolutely wonderful. I'm so happy that you're doing it. And kudos for having such amazing content and achieving 200 episodes. That's amazing. Congratulations. Well, Katie, thanks again for agreeing to be a guest on the show. And I know we'll have you on in the future. Great. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. 